This is the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast, presented by Fantazzle for all your fantasy sports needs. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast. I'm Justin Berniski. I'm joined via Skype by Tim Forcella. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here once again at the end of a fantasy season. We're going to be getting into a lot of the breaking down this year and looking towards next year at uh, who is who we like, who we thought was good, some of the draft strategies we're going to be thinking about going forward, and you know, kind of what we learned from the season. I think every year you got to take a minute to reflect to get ready so you don't make the same next mistakes next year. So, with that in mind, Tim, what is one thing you feel like you've taken away from this fantasy football season? You know, I think the one thing that sticks with me is that to be very wary of of record-setting performances, of things that are amazing, you know, the, like the sublime performances that make everybody go wow. Those are the things that you don't want to pick, the, you don't want to rely on the following year. Last year it was Michael Vick, and he was fantastic, and he, everybody was like, couldn't get enough of watching him play. And when you're doing something that impressive, that's going to be something that's not repeatable. And looking back, I would definitely have thrown up more red flags around Mike Vick than I did. All right. So if we're going to go ahead and apply that to next year, what's a guy that you think from this year that you are going to be a little skeptical of because of his performance, uh, because of you know his outstanding season that you think – maybe you're going to be a little less excited about uh, than other people might be. Uh, I think the guy that it, that it applies to the most is Cam Newton and the way that he's gotten rushing touchdowns at a level unpre- unprecedented from a quarterback. And that's just something that probably isn't going to happen again. And if he doesn't get that, what's his fantasy value without that? And... I just can't see a situation in which I end up picking Cam Newton next year. So where do you have Cam Newton then as a quarterback? Is he top 10 for you? Is he uh, outside the top 10? Where where do you kind of think he is? And where do you think other people are going to be taking him? Well, I I, I just ranked my quarterbacks for next year, and that will be going up on Fantasy Sportal around the weekend or on Monday. And I have Newton ninth. And that's definitely, I think there's a few big drops in there behind, like, the top six quarterback. I think he is still a top ten quarterback, if barely. But I feel like other people are going to have him in their top five because what he did was so wow, you know. And as a rookie, they're going to look for rookie improvement. But it's hard to improve on an NFL record. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, I mean, looking at his season, if you're looking at the top quarterbacks right now, you've got Rodgers, Breeze, Cam Newton as the third high scoring and sort of standard scoring formats, and then Tom Brady. And, you know, assuming, you know, if you look, if I had to pick one of those four who's not going to repeat that to that kind of effort, it would definitely be Newton. I think we've seen out of Rodgers, Breeze, and Brady a lot more consist- consistency um, than in the past. So, looking at the positive, is there anything sort of positive you're taking out of this season that you think you're going to uh, definitely apply to next season? Well, I drafted a lot of teams this year, and I, I think I think a, a principle that I applied 
more so than I had before was flexibility in drafting. And that means, I mean by that, by never loading up on a position early, never um, having too many of your high, highly paid for guys at the same position. Don't start running back, running back, but don't start receiver, receiver either. Because if you have that flexibility where you have starting positions available at most of the positions in the third through sixth rounds, that's when you're going to get the bargains, the guys that, that slipped to you. And you won't be stuck in that position where, wow, I can't believe this running back slipped, but I already have two running backs. That's a, Yeah, I like that idea because I think coming into this year, I definitely liked the idea of a running back running back uh, just because it didn't seem like there was the, – the running back depth wasn't there. And it uh, I guess that was partially proven true that depth of running back this year just wasn't there, but it was even – shallower than I expected with all the injuries it's been really hard to have those kind of stud running backs and I think yeah definitely people who are able to kind of you know cherry pick in the middle rounds late rounds and get a couple guys that they might be have the potential to kind of swap out when they needed them that would definitely play to their advantage this year so I think that's definitely a great strategy uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully you'll write it up as a draft strategy I'd love to see that up there uh, get some more details on that yeah, I mean, like, and it, you never know because every draft is different. But it seems that, like, in any draft, there's someone that slips, like, beyond the level that you would have imagined him slipping. It's not always the same guy, but, you know, there's always that someone. You don't want to paint yourself in the corner where you can't take him. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, guy, this year, guys like uh, maybe a Michael Turner probably dropped in a couple drafts and people could have picked him up. Uh, and he, you know, he had definitely had a solid year. And you, if you got him in the third round because everyone else was a little hesitant after, you know, he had a subpar year uh, the year before, then you probably didn't do too bad. Uh, let's talk number one. You know, year's not over yet. Things could change. But, uh, you know, how do your – what is going to be your top hit player picked? Um, and maybe talk about – top player at a couple positions, who are the guys you think are going to be your number one picks next year? Well, I think that at some of these positions, the number one spots are more obvious than it's been in a long time. Like last year, the number one overall, there was a debate. I mean, I'd say Peterson was the, the plurality number one, but surely people had Aaron Foster, people had Vic, people had uh, Chris Johnson, at, well, once they knew he was playing. Um, and this year, I'm very confident that it should be LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I mean, he's got the 17 touchdowns, uh, you know, 100 or 1,200 rushing, over 1,200 rushing yards, and we still got a couple games left in the year, plus the three receiving touchdowns, uh, 47 receptions, which you have to love. Um, I mean, are you at all worried that those touchdown numbers drop a little bit heading into next year, or do you think, if anything, the, I mean, because we, you know, Vic just hasn't looked really in sync at all this year. Uh, he hasn't gotten any of those rushing touchdowns. Is there, are you at all worried that Vic bounces back, steals some of those touchdowns, and we see McCoy's value drop? Well, the thing is that Vic could take a few of those goal line touches, um, some, some red zone opportunities away from him, but I feel like the Eagles had a disappointing year compared to what people thought, 
and that their, their offense overall could be better, and that there could be, you are likely to see more total touchdowns. If Vic's on the field the, the whole year, which he wasn't, and we don't know that he will be, but if he is, then McCoy should have more opportunities. And what I'm, what's great that we learned this year is that McCoy played well when Vic was out also, which is what I had worried about in this year's preseason. Now we know he can do it. And from a team like the Eagles that seemingly have had red zone problems for a decade, suddenly here's this guy who's been a second-year player who's been great in the red zone. Oh and if, when the Eagles get down there, where else are they going to go to, you know? That's true. That's true. Uh, do you have any surprises in your top five or top ten at running back? Any guys that you think you'll be taking higher than most others this coming year? Well, I'd say my top ten is looking my top ten is looking pretty much what I see most people uh having. The guy I think I probably have higher than other people will is Ryan Matthews, who I have fifth and I could see a lot of guys coming in ahead of him and him being ended up being drafting around ninth or tenth. But I like him because in similar way to the Eagles I think the Chargers, Chargers offense should be better next year than it was throughout most of the year. And as we've seen over the past three weeks, suddenly they look like a great offense again. And if we see any of that, Ryan Matthews' numbers can only go up. So fifth. All right. What about um, some of the guys who've been injured, like the Fred Jackson, uh, Jamal Charles, Matt Forte? Uh, any of those guys uh, – I mean, all of them had at times looked like, well, except for Charles, uh, I guess last year he looked like, you know, obviously was a top running back. Uh, any of those guys in your top ten and um, the ones that aren't, why? Um, I'm keeping Forte in the top ten. I think that his his injury doesn't, I don't think it looks like it would be something that would hamper him going into the next year. And, what, and we saw what he did. While he was out there, he was a top five or six guy. So I think that you're safe picking him around eight, I think, even not having seen a whole second half of the year from him. Uh, Jamal Charles is a little bit more of a risk, and I think a lot of that risk is because there is the chance that he's still hampered. Like ACLs are a much longer recovery. He could come into the year not having his full mobility. And mobility for a guy like Charles is so important. So it could be 2013 before we see a, two, a 2010 Jamal Charles again. But the upside is there. So I think he's still a top 20 guy, if not a top 10 guy. All right. Uh, what about quarterback? What are the, I mean, it feels like it's kind of obvious who the number one and number two uh, quarterbacks with Rodgers and Breeze, but maybe... Maybe you're going to surprise me. Um, but then who, if, if those are who you have at one and two, who's your number three quarterback and uh, why? Well, actually, I, I, I mean, I'm going to go Rodgers number one. I think almost everyone is. But I'm going to go with Tom Brady at number two. Though I think that I'm organizing things by tiers, and I have Brady and Breeze on a tier by themselves below Rodgers. But... I'm going to go Brady ahead of Breeze, mostly because there's a, there's less domes on Breeze's schedule for next year, and Breeze plays so well in the dome 
that it's just his numbers are on another level they are uh, when he's inside. And this year he had 11 domes, and next year I think it's only nine. So, I mean, that's definitely going to that's gonna affect him a little bit, but not too much. He's still my number three. Okay. All right. Um, is there a position, uh, well, I guess wide receiver. Do you, uh, who are you feeling is your number one wide receiver? Uh, and, I mean, do you anticipate that changing, or do you feel really confident in that, or um, are, is there any chance it might change? Well, I'm going to stick with Calvin Johnson as number one. I don't, I mean, it would have to be something drastic to change that. I mean, he's the current points leader, and he did have stretch in the middle where he didn't play that well, but we haven't seen consistency from very many of these receivers. All of these top guys have had off games, so I can't hold that against Calvin any more than you could anyone else. Um, he looks like he's the most talented guy. Stafford is probably still improving. He surprised a lot of people this year, and then he's been playing uh, not 100%. So if Stafford's healthy and Calvin's healthy, really hard to take anyone else number one. But uh, the one guy who has shown a lot of consistency from week to week, and that's why I want to take him second, which may surprise some people, is Greg Jennings. All right. Um, I'm, I mean, I've seen, looking at his stats, he's, I was actually a little surprised to see that he has a, a fair number of, uh, I want to say, you know, just a lot of weeks where he's getting at least a touch. I mean, he's got a touchdown. Um, you know, none of his – he's got nine touchdowns in the season. He doesn't have any double touchdown games, and so it's kind of – it's managed to spread itself out pretty well. And so that's – I mean, for Gret Jennings owners, other than the injury, it's been, you know, pretty consistent – uh, granted, he's not winning you that many weeks, but I mean, currently he has fewer points than Jordy Nelson. So why would you take Jennings over Nelson? Well, I mean, before he was injured, I believe he was fourth in in total points first among receivers, and he's obviously having not played it for two games now, he's dropped down that list. But he's and Nelson is very much less consistent than Jennings. And Nelson has had some huge games, but he's also put up a couple, um, like, 20 or 30-yard out, outputs. And Greg Jennings, in the games when she didn't score, I believe he always had 80 yards. So he never let you down. And the thing about consistency is not so much as that it helps you to spread it out, but when someone's playing consistently well, it makes me feel more confident that they'll continue to play well. Two guys that have the same amount of points, if one guy gets 10 points every game, I'm like, oh, he's going to keep getting 10 points a game. The other guy has three 20-point outings, and not saying this is just a generality, uh, has three 20-point outings and then a bunch of fours. I'm worried that next year he only gets one or two 30s, and suddenly his points aren't looking that good. All right. Um, tight end. We've talked a little bit about it uh, in past podcasts, but uh, how are you feeling about tight end and um, what what's sort of your top tier ranking there? Well, I think I mean, you're looking at, at three guys that you could make a case for, and that's uh, Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski, and Jimmy Graham. And Gates, of course, has had some injury issues. Gronkowski's been unbelievable this year, but almost like I was saying – 
with Mike Vick, it's been it's had a lot of wow factor. It's been like, I can't believe he's doing this. What an amazing performance. That strikes me as a little bit less repeatable than what Jimmy Graham's doing, who's maintaining himself as the week-to-week top target guy for Drew Brees. Um, always comes up with yards when he doesn't get touchdowns. And, I mean, Tom Brady spreads it around. He's hit Gronkowski a lot, but they've also got Aaron Hernandez. So I like Gronkowski in that top tier, but behind Graham. Right. Fair enough. Great. Um, any uh, last words you want to throw out here? We'll be back for some uh, playoffs to talk because uh, Fantasel's going to have a lot of fun uh, fantasy or NFL playoff games. So uh, we'll talk through those when they're uh, when that rolls around. But uh, you know, holiday season we're going to take off. So any final words for the regular season you want to throw out there? Um, any uh, teams you're cheering for, or anything? Uh, any advice you want to give for our listeners? Um, well, this is something I've talked about in the, the articles that I'm working on now, and that is to, you know, take some notes. Just take some notes down about your own thoughts about the end of the season, because if you don't, come August, you will forget them. And you never know more about next season than right at the end of this season. So, you know, take open up a Word file, throw down some of your preliminary, you know, uh, listen to our podcast on Fantasy Sportal, read the articles, and then take down some notes on your own perspective so that you have something to look back on in August. And I, I think you'll be happy that you did. All right. Good advice. Tim, it's been a pleasure, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. All right. All right. Now we're joined via Skype by Fantasy Dave. Hello, hello. Good to be back. It's been a while. End so, of the season right here. Yeah, so we're breaking it down. Uh, Dave, why don't, what's a, some strategy uh, looking at next year? Is there anything that happened this year that's really sort of influenced you that, you know, made you kind of think differently about the, your approach or any strategy you've used this year that you think was really effective that you're going to make sure you use again next year that you want to share with our listeners out there? Yeah, definitely. Um it's it's I think everyone always knows everyone that plays fantasy real seriously knows that it's important to have a good quarterback. You got to have a stud quarterback. Uh, that's the head of your team. If you can get consistent thirties, forties out of your quarterback, those are high scoring leagues. But if you can get a ton of points out of your quarterback and then build around that. I, I usually like to have. Uh, I was just telling you earlier. I like to have a stud player, at least one stud player at each. Uh, position category. So let's say you got a quarterback, three receivers, two running backs, a tight end, and then a defense. I like to have at least one stud tight end, if I can help it, one stud running back out of two, and then at least one stud receiver out of three, and then your stud quarterback. If you can build around that, then you're, you're on your way to a pretty good season. Let's say, for example, a quarterback, let's see if Let's let's take let's let's assume you saw this season coming from Stafford, right? You could have Stafford at quarterback, then say LaShawn McCoy at running back, then receiver, maybe like a Roddy White or something like that, or and then tight end, probably Gronkowski. Uh Gronkowski a lot of people didn't expect this from him coming into the season. I, I, I got I drafted Gronkowski in a couple of my leagues in like round eight or nine. 
So, yeah, if, if 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 you can get one stud player at each position, that's 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 one strategy I like to I like to do I like to have. It works. I, I win games with it. So. With a tight end, I mean Gronkowski. We've seen you know Gronkowski's emerged. Graham has had it. You know had a big year. I, I mean those are guys you're not going to be able to get late anymore. I, how I mean who are you more likely to draft early and who are guy what are the positions you're more likely to kind of sit on, um, and it, you know has anything this year changed, you know how you would approach that like are you the kind of guy who's going to take Aaron Rodgers at the end of the first round or are you more uh, do you more traditional you want to get a running back early and then maybe get your quarterback in the second third fourth round. Uh, that's a good question. It, it depends on how the draft is going. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback like that or Breeze, I mean, those guys win you games by themselves. So let's say I ha- I mean, I could definitely pick them with if I had a, a, a top five pick, you know, pick one, two, three, four, five, I could pick them. Um, I'd have a hard time turning down Adrian Peterson and LaShawn McCoy next year. Uh, so it, de- it depends on how many backs there are on the list. Everything depends, but... I mean, guys like Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze, you're definitely, you're definitely not going to get laughed at uh, for, for, for picking them early next year. Um, I'd probably go, say, next year, LaShawn McCoy, I'd go with him before any of those guys, and then probably in the second round hope to get an Eli Manning or maybe a Stafford again. Um, who else is out there? I don't know, Vic. Do you think Vic can bounce back next year? I, I mean, think he will. Yeah. I I probably won't go with Vic just because of the injury concern. I think, I mean, he's li- he just, you know, he's never healthy the whole year. We saw that last year. We saw that this year. And so that's always just something you have to worry about. I think I would, um, I, I, my thing is, depending on the depth of your league, if you're in a deeper league, then it's more of an emphasis on quarterback. But in a shallower league, I feel like you can get, pick up, like the eighth or ninth best quarterback a lot later than a Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers and still, uh, you know, still get someone who's pretty good. You can, I think a lot of people are going to have like an Eli as, you know, the seventh or eighth best or ninth best quarterback. Cause you, I mean, you know, coming out of this year, I think you got uh, Rodgers, Brees, Brady, uh, Cam Newton's in the mix. Stafford's mm-hmm. obviously in the mix. I think Phil Rivers could ba- bounce back. Tony Romo's been looking pretty good. Eli has definitely looked pretty consistent, uh, although the Giants are struggling. Um, and then, I mean, we had guys, you know, who were up and down, but, like, uh, you know, Tebow's been pretty, you know, he's not Serviceable. Great, but Serviceable, right? Yeah, he's definitely get with the rushing yards. He, you know, it just makes a huge difference. Uh, someone like um, Fitzpatrick, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald, um, Sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, has been pretty good early in the year. He's kind of dropped off, but he was someone that early on was serviceable. So I think, I mean, there's just a lot of ways to get by at quarterback. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I mean, my takeaway is to wait at quarterback. But you know, I definitely know guys who love just making sure they have one of the top three, or or you know, they want the number one quarterback, and so the first thing they do is always take that quarterback. So I'm, I'm that's what I'm curious to hear. Uh, sort of where you're. Where do you fall on that line? Yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm. I'm uh, I. I used to in my earlier days of fantasy. I used to be like that. I used to want that Peyton Manning or, um, I, f- I forget who were the men back then, but I always wanted like that stud Peyton Manning at quarterback, and then build the rest of the team around that. But I found more success 
having a more well-balanced team uh, over all facets. So, for example, I'd rather have stud backs and receivers and then a solid quarterback as opposed to the stud quarterback and then so-so backs, receivers, tight ends. Because by the time you use up a pick on that, I mean, if you're going to get those guys, Breeze, Brady, and Rodgers, that's your first pick probably, most likely. Um it depends on what pick you have in the draft, but let's just, let's say you made that pick. Okay, well now by the time that the 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 snake draft loops back around to you, all the all the backs and receivers are gone. So I found it more successful to go. Let's say I have the third pick, right? Go Adrian Peterson or McCoy or Foster. Then in the second round, grab those guys like Matt Ryan, especially next year. Uh, you can get a guy like Matt Ryan's second round or Stafford or Eli Manning, Cam Newton is going to be second-round material next year. Um, you know what I mean? Imagine having, let's say, LaShawn McCoy and Cam Newton, right? Then third round, you go receiver. Say third round, you go uh, Calvin Johnson will probably be gone, but say third round, you go Percy Harvin. Then fourth round, come back and go Gates or something, maybe if he can come back healthy. Uh, Gronkowski might be gone by round four, but you see what I'm getting at here. So I, I'm kind of with you there. I like going solid quarterback because I've, I've won a championship with a solid quarterback already. You can win a championship without a, that stud quarterback. So I like to be strong around my whole team. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd wait. There's good quarterbacks down there in the second, third round, you know. Go get Cam Newton third, third, fourth round – or not second, third round and uh, use that first pick on a, uh, another stud player. What about uh, – you mentioned Gronkowski. He's currently, I, I believe, the 15th. Uh, he scored the 15th most fantasy points. Uh, you know, where would you take him? If Assuming a 12-team league, uh, you know, so you've got 12 picks per round, what pick number approximately or what round uh, would you start thinking about taking a Gronkowski? Yeah, definitely um, definitely round, th- round three. I wouldn't laugh at you if you took him round three. Round two might be stretching it. Um, the defenses might focus in on him next year. Denver's already showed that they can hold him down to a modest game. So last week, right? So teams will have the film on that. They might try and employ the same type of strategy. But I say round one, you go stud running back. Round two, um, you go Matt Ryan, Stafford, or Eli, or Cam Newton. Um, that tier, or or Romo, or or Rivers. Mike Rivers will be there. And then round three, Gronkowski. Ooh, that's already a good-looking team. And then round four, uh, you could probably go Julio Jones, something like that, uh, and then go on from there. But, yeah, Gronkowski, definitely round three, round three, late round two type material for that. Him and Jimmy Graham, actually. Him and Jimmy Graham. But everyone else, I'd wait round four, round five. Witten, maybe round five, another year older. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how, because I think we've seen some uh, the emergence of some really a couple other really top tier tight ends where in the past it was always just Antonio Gates and then everyone else was kind of a step down. But we've seen several guys step up and just have monster years, uh, plenty of touchdowns at tight end, and so that it makes it it gives you a little more depth. And so if you're not as picky. Uh, about who you get, you know, where in the past guys, you know, they wanted the top tight end, they wanted Antonio Gates. If I feel like if you're willing to kind of wait and see, you know, how your draft shakes out. I mean, it, the other thing, it's, um, I mean, I think 
Gronkowski and Graham are definitely sort of in a class of their own. I mean, Tony Gonzalez has had an amazing resurgence. He's out there. Um, he's actually got the third most points among tight ends. So it's been very interesting to kind of see how that works out. I don't, you know, I don't know how many more years he can drink from the fountain of youth, but it'll uh, hmm. definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, so what about guys who are injured this year? What is going to be your approach next year to, you know, the Jamal Charles, the um, the Matt Forte's, guys of that nature? What? How do you kind of rank those guys and work them into, uh, especially can, you know, considering there's always going to be some question. They can say they're healthy coming into camp. They can look good in camp. But then um, maybe, you know, if you have an early draft before, the preseason really gets going or even, I mean, you know, the preseason they may play, you know, three, you know, three series and then they pull them out. So you don't really get a sense of, are they at a hundred percent? So how do you kind of take into account guys who were injured last year? Yeah. Good question. Great question. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's a shaky situation because you never know. Take uh, Maurice Jones drew this year, for example, right? Remember last year, whatever, coming off that knee surgery. Um, everyone was saying, oh, stay away from Mojo this year, stay away from Mojo. But now, 15 weeks later into the season, he's got 1,300 rushing yards and seven touchdowns and three uh, receiving touchdowns. So Mojo showed you can turn, he can turn it around. Um, so that means Jamal Charles and Forte can come back next year and do that. Forte's injury wasn't as serious. Um, Jamal Charles... I don't know. It's, it's always a shaky situation. Charles went out earlier in the season, so he'll have he'll have fresh legs. He'll have plenty of time to rest and rehabilitate. But I just never like those injury guys only one year removed because you never know if they reaggravate. They could reaggravate. I just it's just something about those injuries I don't like. Um, so I don't know. I, I generally I t- I typically tend to stay away from guys coming off of big injuries from the year prior. So I let's say let's use Jamal Charles for example. I it depends on what backs are available, but I would I would I'd stay away from him. I'd go with someone like Reggie. I mean, look at the year Reggie Bush is having right now. That would make me go with him before I took Charles. Um, Marshawn Lynch, Ryan Matthews look like he's come on now. Uh, Mojo after a productive season now, and he'll be another year removed away from his surgery. I'd go with him. Uh, Sproles will be there. Uh, who else? Beanie Wells. Uh, he's always hurt, though. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to stay away from the injured guys. Uh, Fred Jackson, that's another one. It, it, it all depends on who's available in the draft. If you can help it, stay away from the injury guys. But if you can't help it, then you you, you can't help it. you got to just take who you take. Looking looking at guys this year on big years, is there anyone you think is a – you know, prime bust candidate for next year that maybe you'll be avoiding who, you know, what for whatever reason the circumstances were right and they had a big year, and next year they you think that drops off? Or on the flip side, is there anyone who had a down year this year who you think could is a bounce-back candidate for next year? Um, well, I don't I don't know if he'll bounce back next year, but, I mean, my biggest bust for this year is LeGarrette Blount, definitely. Uh, it just looks like it takes forever to get him going. Uh, you just I don't know how he breaks off any long runs at all, but he just can't get going. He can't hit the he's not hitting the hole hard enough. It, it just defenses are 
getting penetration and then stopping him before he can even get his wheels moving. And that's frustrating. It's one reason I don't like those big backs. But Brandon Jacobs, I don't know how he does it sometimes. Just too much reliance on the O-line. I know you need a good O-line, but I like a little bit of speed at running back. Um, but I don't know. I'll probably stay away from Blount next year. But uh, Blount definitely, I don't. he might, next year he could bounce back. He might have to lose some weight. He might want to lose some weight, uh, get a little bit lighter. Uh, get faster. Blount could bounce back next year. Um, Reggie Bush, I think Reggie Bush. I already mentioned him. He'll probably he'll probably uh, build on next year. He's trying to get his first thousand yard rushing year this year, so I think Bush will come back even more motivated. Uh, Fred Jackson's playing for that contract. He's trying to get a contract. He might come back real motivated next year and show that hey, yeah, I'm in my thirties but I can still play. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out with C.J. Spiller. C.J. Spiller tore up the Miami defense, tough Miami defense. So uh, Spiller might, we'll see what Spiller can do next year. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't, that's, yeah. Blount, horrible disappointment this year for me. All right. Um, any final uh, fantasy advice you want to throw out there for fantasy listeners? Listeners, as the season wraps up, um, you know we will we'll have you back on for the uh, NFL playoffs. Talk, uh, you know, do a little prep for that. But uh, we'll, after this podcast, we'll be taking a little break. So, uh, anything you want to share just before we uh, we wrap this up? Uh, Malcolm Floyd. That uh, Malcolm Floyd, huge this huge injury guy always hurt. That's another. That's another. That's another bust. Another. I mean, he 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 was productive when when he was on the field, but Malcolm Floyd, man, I love you, man, but you just can't stay healthy. I don't know. Stay away. From, I don't know. Stay away from Malcolm Floyd until he shows he can stay on the field. Uh, Gronkowski's the man. Ten touchdowns last year. He's got what sixteen this year. Next year, you think Gronkowski passes? What he does this year in touchdowns, he might hit 20. I mean, I if he's got 16, so. he's got, what, week 16 and week 17 to hit 20. He needs two on Sunday and then two more. He could hit 20. You think, I mean, Gronkowski will probably drop off a little next year, but he might still hit 13. I don't, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, sure. definitely. And I've learned to stay away from the Patriots running game. Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, I mean, 635 rushing, nine touchdowns, but. It just seems like he got all those touchdowns in one game, and then that was it. I mean, what's up with this whole second half of the year thing, playing for the first two quarters, the first quarter, and then Danny Woodhead comes in, and Shane Vereen and all these other guys. Stay away from the Patriot run game. That's another thing I learned this year. That's It's definitely been a tough one to predict. Right? And also, one last note I want to say, everybody look at your, your, your schedules, your, especially for quarterbacks. Uh I, in one of my leagues, I got I didn't even look at this before I drafted him, but I got Eli playing the Jets, week sixteen, finals round. You know, and what I'm what am I going to do? Am I going to play Tebow at Buffalo or Eli against the Jets? I'm leaning towards Tebow, but I don't want to take out Eli. Um, so that's that's a tough one. You got to look at your strength of schedule because you got to plan ahead. Fantasy is all about planning ahead. That's another note. Uh, that people should take with you. you Got to plan ahead. Look at that schedule. Now I'm screwed. Eli's playing the Jets. And I, there's nothing I can do. So yeah, I'm. I'm. That's a wrap.
been a good season, though. 2011 has been a good season. All right. Well, we've been happy to have you on, Dave, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, just uh, just let me know. I'll be on here. All right. Now we're on with Kyle Soppy, our uh, final fantasy out analyst, to join us uh, to talk end-of-the-year uh, wrap-up. So, Kyle, looking at this year, let's start off. Is there anything, any strategy that you think uh, that you employed this year that you thought was really successful uh, or not? And what what are you going to be thinking about trying to do next year entering the draft? Well, I kind of came into this year thinking that if you have a mid to late first round pick, that you'd be looking for a top notch quarterback. And I think going into next year, we have a clear tier of the top three with Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers. I know Vic was up there this year, but I think with the pocket presence of those three, that they're well worth using a top, I don't know, 20, 20 pick to grab one of them and really be set against any opponent. I mean, you look at teams that owned Aaron Rodgers this year. I'm sure most of them are doing very well. And that's, I mean, a lot of people say you can't win a draft in the first few rounds, but you can lose it. But by grabbing one of those quarterbacks, you're certainly not going to lose it. All right. Um, what about at the very start, if you end up with that number one pick, who is the guy that you feel the most comfortable with entering uh, 2012 that you will likely draft if you are fortunate enough to end up in that spot? If I'm going number one, I want a dual-purpose running back, which leaves me with Ray Rice or LaShawn McCoy. I I called McCoy my number one running back this year at about week two, week three, and I think I'm going to stick with that for next year. I like McCoy's blend of skills, along with a healthy Vic, if, you know, I mean, if he can stay healthy. And he's got some weapons over there. I like his pass-catching ability. He's got 47 catches this year. That's a nice touch. I mentioned Ray Rice. He's got 71 catches. I like McCoy a little bit better as a pure runner and his ability to score a little bit over Rice's, but I think it goes McCoy, Rice, one and two next year. All right. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people have felt pretty good about um, McCoy as the number one guy. Uh, Looking at tight end, it definitely looks like there are two guys um, who have really distinguished themselves this year. Granted, Gates, you know, has been injured, and so if he comes back healthy, uh, how do you kind of see tight end breaking down? Uh, and where, I mean, you know, I've kind of been asking, where where do you end up taking a guy like Gronkowski? What's the earliest you would take him? Uh, and do you think you end up, or is he someone you're going to target at all? I'm probably not, just because I'm not a guy that really values tight ends like most people. I don't think we're going to see, you know, another 75 catch I mean, he's at 1,141 yards right now with 15 scores. That's pretty hard to duplicate, even though I realize he did it last year. I'd probably be more tempted to take Graham, actually, as my top tight end. I like his athleticism. He's got Drew Brees, and he's the only tight end there. I mean, generally speaking, Hernandez has put up tight end one numbers on the same team as Gronkowski. He's got 68 grabs for 740 and six scores. So I'm probably going to put Graham as my top one, but regardless, I don't think I'm drafting a top-notch tight end just because of what you're going to have to pay. I mean, these guys are putting up receiver one numbers, so it wouldn't surprise me if you see him go in, like, the third round, and I'm not willing to spend a top-30 pick to grab a tight end when guys like Antonio Gates, who you mentioned, Finley, Fred Davis even, I really like, Vernon Davis, Owen Daniels when he's healthy, Brent Selleck, Jake Ballard. To me, the position's still too deep to use a high pick on one of the elite guys. 
What about uh, any strategies that you've seen recently that you think just no longer work or that you're just uh, going to avoid at all, you know, entirely because of what you've seen this year? Well, personally, I hate drafting receivers in the first two rounds. I really don't understand it. It's such a volatile position. I mean, I mentioned the three quarterbacks that you can take there. There's plenty of stud running backs. I mean, from Ray Rice and McCoy, you keep going down a little bit. You see Mendenhall, Turner, Jones-Drew. I mean, the list goes on and on of consistent, proven running backs. I mean, receivers, granted that, I mean, you have the Roddy Whites, the Calvin Johnsons of the world that are consistent on a yearly basis. But, I mean, week to week, we've seen Calvin Johnson just completely blow up at times. And he's he went missing for a little bit of time in there. And we, and Victor Cruz is a top five receiver this league this year in most leagues. Jordy Nelson, guys that you're not really drafting as number one guys have turned into it. So I don't think I'm going to spend really a top three round even pick on a receiver. I'll probably go running back quarterback, running back, and some combination of that and try to get me elite guys at both positions before I even think about a pass catcher. Interesting. Uh, is there a guy you think is poised for a bounce back year uh, next year that you you think will be a little undervalued that people might uh, keep an eye on this offseason and into training camp? Well, I mean, obviously there's going to be the Peyton Manning skeptics, and I don't think anybody's really high on him, and it depends what they do with luck. Um, Andre Johnson, I still think he's the game's best receiver. I mean, he's scuffled a little bit this year with injuries and Schaub being out and a dominant running game. I mean, he only has 31 catches this year, so I think he might be a bit undervalued going into next year. Peyton Hillis is another one. If he can find a team which he's happy at and consistently be healthy, I don't think we'll see 2010 again. But, I mean, he does, he's not going to have to deal with the Madden curse next year, so I think he's a decent play. I mean, you probably, owners got burned by him this year. I just encourage people not to really, really, like, hold a grudge here. I mean, take every year for how it is. Same with Reggie Wayne. I mean, he's he's really just been victim of a bad situation here. He's still got almost 60 catches and 800 yards, but that's not the, the wide receiver one numbers that you drafted him looking for. I would, I mean, obviously you want to see how the Colts situation plays out, but if Manning's back or even Luck, I don't see why Wayne's not a top 15 receiver. We saw a lot of uh, rookie quarterbacks really step up big and have, uh, you know, Cam Newton obviously comes to mind, but Andy Dalton had a pretty good year. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously, I mean, Tebow, this is his first year he's had a chance to start. Uh, guys that uh, you didn't necessarily expect who kind of stepped up at quarterback. Do you think we'll see, I mean, this upcoming draft has several uh, quality um, you know, there's probably going to be at least three or maybe even four guys taken at co from the quarterback position in the first round. Do you see much value there at fantasy-wise and guys that you would, the way we saw this year, or was this year more of an anomaly? I think this year was kind of the anomaly. I mean, you look at Cam Newton and what he did. Andy Dalton's winning games. He hasn't put up great fantasy numbers, but like you said, I mean, he stepped right in into a good situation. I don't think Locker... Any of those guys are really going to step right in and offer numbers that would warrant being drafted in your league. But I, if you see a Luck, a Barkley, somebody like that putting up numbers like we saw Cam Newton in the first two weeks, I wouldn't mind picking him up as like a potential kind of play. But I'm not 
spending any kind of early draft pick on those guys just based on the history of rookie quarterbacks. If I'm looking for one rookie, I mean, I love Trent Richardson out of Alabama. And um, if you're looking for a receiver, Dustin Blackman from OK State is a stud in the making. So I would look for both of those guys to produce more than any quarterback in next year's draft. All right. That's uh, exciting. Gives us a, a little something extra to cheer for and pay attention to in these uh, in this bowl games. Uh, two, you know, and those two are both in BCS games, so it should be interesting. They're playing a bit against some pretty high-caliber opponents. Definitely. Um, all right. Any, uh, any final words you want to share with our listeners out there just to kind of as they get ready for this offseason, um, you know, most people – uh, unless you're fortunate enough to be in a championship game, um, which in which case, congratulations. But for everyone else, uh, maybe who might be feeling a da- little down after a, a rough year, what uh, what advice do you have to give out to them? I would just say going forward next year, don't be held hostage of the moment. Don't think that Cam Newton's all of a sudden the best quarterback there is to draft. Look, look at what players have done. You got the Aaron Rodgers, Brady, Breeze. I mentioned those guys. But even lesser guys, I mean, we've seen, like, Marcus Colston now putting up. I mean, he's going to near 1,000 yards, but maybe not the numbers you were expecting. Or Dallas Clark, if you get a healthy quarterback. Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, look at the situations more than just the numbers. It can be a bit deceiving, and consistency is there's a lot to be said for that. So I just encourage people to really dig into the stats and take a look and don't just look at the year-end numbers and see what they produced and think that you want that and that you'll get that. Definitely. Uh, and if you're worried about heading into a, a little bit of fantasy with, withdrawal, always you can check out Fantazzle.com. Lots of great things going on there with uh, between um, you know the fantasy games. There are going to definitely be NFL playoffs. There's college bowl stuff going on there right now. Uh, there's also plenty of uh, there'll be you know college or pro basketball starting up uh, shortly. So make sure you know that's starting up this coming weekend. So make sure to get in there for that and uh, other stuff. Otherwise. Uh, We'll definitely, Kyle, we'll have you on uh, just before uh, playoffs start off so we can kind of break down that for anyone who's looking to, you know, get in on some of the playoff action because there'll be plenty of stuff uh, fantasy-wise to, or, you know, a chance to, you know, kickstart, you know, if you had a bad regular season, playoffs give you a whole new chance to get in on that. So uh, look forward to having you on for that. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll be coming out with my big board in the near future here for next year. So if readers want to tune in and just see if like you said you got bounced early from your playoffs and you're just looking to rebuild and win your league next year i'll give you a heads up and a good start to really make 2012 your season outstanding we'll check that out uh fantasy football as always thank you kyle and we'll uh talk to you later you got it looking forward to it Thank you for listening to the FantasyFootballSportal.com podcast. For more content, check out FantasyFootballSportal.com or Fantazzle.com for all your fantasy sports needs.